Hey everyone, welcome to this edition of e-commerce insights. I'm your host, Scott DeGrossier, founder and CEO of Wicked Reports. I'm here with a very special guest, Mark Merle from Get Main Lobster. How you doing, Mark? Good, good. Thanks, Scott. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks. It's Friday. Tomorrow's my birthday. You probably forgot. Oh, I did not forget because it's my daughter's birthday too and <laughs> our friend Alyssa. Well, I wish too you many eleven sevens. I should have been second in that list of not third behind Alyssa, but I'll forgive you. <laughs> you were first. Thanks. So, I yeah. mean, when you started, I mean, you obviously come a long way making what's that seven figures now and paid, but I mean, was it just mm-hmm. like you started running ads and lo and behold, you were making money? Like, how did it all go down? Oh, yeah. I mean, from day one, just printing money like it was nothing. Stuff. Running ads is just the easiest thing in the world. No, quite the opposite. You know, really, you know, the company was bootstrapped. So, you know, every dime mattered. And, you know, I was super frustrated with our initial efforts because we, we jumped into it. And I was like, you know, I sell a great product and I treat people well. It's going to be easy. But it wasn't the case. I, I think I spent like four grand and got one sale and I would called you up and was like, what the hell is going on here? I'd suck. Yeah, I just didn't know what to do, you know? So was all the- I knew was that it was I was a good storyteller, right? And I can write a good email, but ads was a whole different ball game for me. So what was the, uh, I recall pretty well, because I've had to speak my origin story, which kind of matches your origin story of starting to make money on it. Do you recall there was a, like a specific strategy that we tested out that, you know, got you think opening your eyes that, hey, Facebook can make me money? Yeah, I mean, we were we started talking about audience and looked at you know displaced New Englanders, and to find that creatively, you look at Red Sox fans in California, or Bruins fans in you know Texas, and and things like that. And so we're like, all right, well that makes sense because it's going to resonate, and I'll probably capture their attention. And then slowly, then you add affluency triggers, so that you're not just you know because we have an expensive product and it's perishable lobster that delivered to your house. So not everybody can afford it. Implementing all those inputs was essential in something we did not do in the very beginning. Yep. So as soon as we did that, we started to see results and we're like, Oh, okay. now we're getting, you know, a return. I recall the, the Red Sox Patriot fans that don't live in new England was because Boston was getting a lot of grief about sports dominance. And we're like, People don't like New England fans. <laughs> laughable now. <laughs> that was the first them. time I'd ever crossed my mind. I was like, why wouldn't they like us? So I remember mm-hmm. it was like I would name the ad sets likes, pats, no N E. <laughs> that right. was that was how we could tell yeah. which target it was. That list is probably still in there. <laughs> that thing was gold, yeah. man. Me, mm-hmm. you made 10 to 1 after three months. Then it was like the big light bulb moment of holy crap, yeah. this, this might work. So, I mean, that was kind of your first foray into marketing attribution. We didn't really call it that. You just said, hey, is this working or not? I mean, that was like, you know, the goal. But, yeah. you know, what when you first started using marketing attribution data, which you just were saying, okay, I just need data to know what the hell's going on. What was like um, one of the first type, first things you would use it for that would be helpful and un- that you could understand and grow your business with? Well, we really wanted to know which campaigns were 
one had a short sales cycle, right? And a good enough ROI. And then also know that because, you know, we started getting into lead gen, you know, we know that we're not going to make money in the first few days, but when do we make money, right? Because you have cash flow constraints and all that. And what's that magic number? How much should I be investing in? When does that return come? Is it 30, 60, or 90 days? And then understanding which points along the journey um, got the most conversions as well. And then which parts of the journey did some fall off? And then you go and tweak that part, right? And run experiments. And, you know, the only way to really run uh, an experiment that you can act on is if you're really tracking, you know, all components of the experience. So you have to have a good attribution model in order to do that. Can't make good decisions. I remember you were really keen on new leads versus ones already on your list. Talk about that because it ended up being a big factor in how we've, you know, reverse engineer our software, but you were really hell bent on that. And it was very hard to to answer you. (laughs) I can now quite easily, but it was very hard at the time. What what was one of the things I geeked out one day and just saw this massive value. I, I, people were reordering more than I thought. And I saw this tremendous value in, in just constantly shoving new leads into the system. Um, you know, when you look at a cohort analysis, right. And I knew that if I could get enough people in and then at the major holidays, there's a pretty good chance they're going to buy down on most of those majors, so I needed to have a constant flow of leads coming into the system. You know, we're really good at nurturing and developing automated campaigns to bring people along, despite how difficult of a product we have, you know, to sell. So to me, it was just extremely important to always have them coming in so that you always need new people because we're not something that you're going to buy every month. You know, we hope for that. But that's just not the reality. This is a cel- we sell a celebration product. And so we got to get as many people in the system as possible in order to grow. Yeah. Plus, I mean, you never know when someone's ready to pull the trigger. That's different than like a direct response approach where you're just trying to get them to lead them to a sales page and just try to buy, which I know you do a lot of that as well. Is there a different approach you take? Is, I mean, somewhat different, I imagine, for the. You're trying to get people to buy, even if you're getting lead gen, then you just want them to buy right away anyway. But is there any different approach you take towards the initial experience with them or the ad copy or the targeting or anything? Even if we don't ask them to join our list the first time, we will ask them uh, on a direct you know, request as well, just because we've learned with this particular high, I mean, our AOV is 190, right? So- mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how many times you've gone out and bought something for 190 bucks that you didn't know of before. Less than more than me. (laughs) (laughs) True. But, you know, I don't do that. 50 bucks maybe, right? And be like, yeah, you know, maybe once or twice I've done it and probably 50% of the time, you know, it worked out and where I was happy with the product. So regardless of whether we're, saying, hey, we got a great deal for you and we'll send it to your email inbox or, hey, we got a great deal for you, go and buy it right now. 
regardless, we're wanting to collect uh, their email or phone so that we can engage with them and stay in touch with them when the time is right for them. And like you said, we never know for everybody it's personal, you know, that they could have, you know, driven by a red lobster and been like, wow, our anniversary is in two weeks. <laughs> I saw that ad. I'm going to, what was that name? You know, and that's the other thing, right? And which is cool about Wicked. I hit them up. They drive by Red Lobster and it's their anniversary in two days. And they somehow remembered our name and they search it. I can still attribute, you know, that experience back to them, you know? So I'm like, all right, that's okay. However they convert, I'm fine with. I just want to serve them, you know? You said that really well. Yeah. Cause so many times when you're looking at people in the ad platform metrics, they're just thinking, Oh, they saw that ad and they immediately pulled the trigger. Not many people are going to, I mean, some people are now are comfortable, but not a lot pulling the trigger immediately on anything. I don't, I never first hear something and immediately spend a hundred bucks on it. I get to at least like size up the situation. Do they have, do they have other people that do this sort of thing? Reviews, get on their email list, see if I'm going to get a discount, like when do I pan when someone panic buys? I mean, maybe in the holidays is different when you're like, Oh crap, I need better gifts. Then you yeah. got to pull the trigger on the gift cards right away. But yeah, I think when you have a major holiday, it's a little bit quicker and, and then you can loosen up. But you know, for example, this labor day to Columbus day, right? So this year we've been lucky, right? Well, not lucky, but a lot of gratitude that um, we were one of the businesses that, scaled in a big way because of COVID. Now that was because protein wasn't readily available. Restaurants were closed. So we can give them a really cool experience at home. And we had a bunch of major holidays, Easter, Mother, Memorial, Father, July 4th, Labor Day, right? And then you got nothing till Columbus Day, but you know that you have the holidays coming up. So, all right, let's get a bunch of people in and let's just talk about cool stuff and get them to be warm and welcomed. And then we're going to hit them up again come November. And then, of course, we have an election. And so that's always difficult as well because uncertainty impacts consumerism. But if you get those leads in your system, you can communicate with them, right? And they get to know you, get to know you until boom, all of a sudden there's no more excuses. I got to try this thing out. This guy's not going away, but he's so entertaining. I don't want to unsubscribe. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so there's like this weird. It's art and science, you know, and uh, and when you know that and you're okay with having them drive, you want to drive them as quick, you know, as much as you can. But still, you got to be okay with the consumer going on their terms. And, but you want to know what their term was, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. So, and that's, that's essential. Where, so then that leads me to email tracking. Cause I mean, I recall you, that was something that you were able to get your hand, your brain around really fast was, you know, sending an email, some sort of, you know, your email strategy is pretty, pretty tight, but you would send off broadcasts based on all these Hallmark holidays I'd never heard of. And of course, then I'd be like, oh, he's really reaching on this one. Why would he do that? But then the data seemed to back up 
that it was a good idea. Who cares what anyone's opinion is? It's making you tens of thousands of dollars when you yeah. click send on those emails. Was that like the first like tipping point of, wow, there's power in the data was like the email data? It seemed like I yeah. recall you used to dig in there a lot. And yeah, that's <clears throat> were fun because they were profitable, right? Yeah, I get super granular with behavior and and we're super taggers. So we kind of have a pretty good feel about an individual. And then, you know, email marketing just gets better and better and better. The technology gets better and better and better so that we can hyper segment understanding time of day and day of week, having all that data to know that what we should say to who and when for the highest propensity for conversion. And it's a lot of experimenting. We're heavy emailers, but we try to make it fun so that it's entertaining as well. But yeah, we get, you know, we get super segmented. And I think that's important because people want to feel like you're talking to them. And in reality, you are. Like when I hyper segment, I'm like, all right, I want to get these people that looked at BOGO 7 for 7 in the past 45 days, spent, you know, three minutes on the site, uh, haven't purchased, but have purchased within, you know, 90 days. Right. Uh. So, and I'm, and so I know that they were thinking of refilling the freezer. So subject line time to stock up and in that is going to click with them. Right. So as a marketer that's using a tool like email, if you have the technology to, understand their behavior over time, then you can deliver something irresistible that they're like, holy smokes, how does Mark know that I was thinking about stocking up the freezer? You know, and it's like, well, I just put two and two together. That's data-driven porn right there. I love it. Right? It is. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. It's like, it's awesome. But that's just being a thoughtful marketer. That's all. Leveraging technology. And I'm lucky in that I have somewhat of a understanding of tech mind, but I'm also a creative. So I think it comes natural for me, but it's, you almost need a combination of people or things uh, in order to do that art and science. Do you have any like memorable lead to email realizations or specific emails that did better or worse due to tracking or ads that outperformed or underperformed what you thought? Uh, just to jog your memory, I have one was from your birthday a couple of years ago. You had done, hey, yeah. I want to play. A, it's my birthday. And that was the the subject line. And I was like, I want to play a game. And it was you offering some sort of complex discount structure two. based on. Well, no, yeah, <laughs> I used uh, a two different codes. I, I do this one periodically where two codes, same value. Or sometimes I go two codes, different value. For example, St. Patty's Day, right? So if you're Irish, you get 20% off. If you're non-Irish, you get 18% off. And I said, be honest, but who cares? I won't know anyway, right? <laughs> and so a lot of people use the non-Irish, which is, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, right? Yeah. So when you, when you see that, you're like, that says something about human nature. But yeah, we like to do two coupon codes, same value, but mean something. We literally just did one the other day where it was butter and mayo, same value. My marketing lady loved it. She was like, oh my God, Mark's a genius, butter and mayo. I don't remember the email. I didn't read it. Yeah. (laughs) I get a lot of email. And uh, 
you know, it performed pretty good. And it what it did not perform well in the first one, but the remarket of it performed really well. What does that mean, the remarket? So you send it out in the morning, and then what makes you yeah. remark you just resend the same email or not? Or yeah, certain people? Almost all of our emails have a remarket in mind, you know. So we always will remarket to people who uh we'll split them up. Those that looked at it and didn't take action, will say something slightly different. And those people that didn't open it, right? If they didn't open it, hit them up again. We get a lot of emails, you know, FW colon space line at the top. Hey, I just wanted to make sure you got this because I think you're really going to love it. And it's fun. And I got a deal for you kind of thing. So you send the same email twice to people that didn't buy. And then what's so, what's like a average revenue difference or how much does that add? So does it double the revenue for that email doing that or 50%? Sometimes or? more. Um, like this week, it was like three times more the remarket was. But when we actually uh, engineer it and spend a lot of time building the campaign, you know, with the intention of knowing the remarket or even the next remarket will perform better than the two previous, you know, they do really well. You know, so we'll start off with a deal, mm. knowing that the deal is going to get even bigger in 48 hours. And then we're saying, all right, I'm pulling out all the stops, you know, and then they just react to it. Right. So these are things not as many people are doing that you think. So it's paid lead gen and then redirecting them right to the offer <laughs> and then emailing them consistently, but with you know, unique offers, not just on sale. So everyone does on sale, but you, you're still actually just saying, Hey, come buy my stuff. It's on sale, but you have, you know, just thought behind it and then resending the same email. Cause that's what drives up enables you to those email tactics are what are enabling you to spend more on the leads to then grow because the emails are converting those leads that aren't buying right away because of all the reasons you mentioned and plenty of other ones. So then when you're on top of mind with the email, you get the purchase, which drives up the ROI of the Facebook and, and Google lead gen. And then each month when you get the sales coming from emails from leads from the months past, so you can buy more leads this month. And it's like compound interest, which now, I mean, you went from hundred K a month to a million a month in five years. I mean, not many people do that. So hats off to you. It's good work, but it was like, thank you, sir. Strategy. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. well, you know, it was, it's, it, it was came down to spend, right. You know, and having tech and getting the art and science down, which, you know, art and science never ends, you know, it's just a continuous uh, education in, in experiments. But when you have all the tech, you have all the data, you know, it's kind of hard to fail. You got to have a good product and you got to treat yeah. people good. It's hard to fail if you have the tech and the data, you know, um, you know, as long as you can, you know, be real with people and have fun and, and give them good product or service. Good, clean fun. And it's profitable. The American dream right there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Well, I know everyone can follow you, can find you at Get Maine Lobster. We can put a little promo in the podcast email. We send it out. Be, be a free podcast sponsorship for you. Don't tell my future sponsors. Nice. <laughs> any any closing thoughts uh, that, that kind of summarize things kind of nicely? I know we're going to do another episode with you on specifically this e-com lead gen strategy. So we won't get into that anymore. 
Anything else? You just waving hi or waving bye to someone on this Friday afternoon? No, I mean, I, I kind of said it, but, you know, art, science, data, tech, you know. That's nice. That sums it up That's well. It. Thanks for your time. Thanks to all our listeners out there for taking the time to listen to the e-commerce insights podcast. Take it easy. Uh-huh.